now we're working our way through a series which we started last week called, or based around our statement of faith, which is why you've been given these leaflets. We want you to know what we believe, and that's for several reasons. One is so that you can kind of check it out. It is important that as Christians we do not check our brains out at the door when we come in, but we think it through very carefully. Okay? It's really, really important. There's so much rubbish out there at the moment. It's important we know what we believe. And secondly, we want you to be able to take this away with you and refer to it. But this morning we're going to be looking, if you've got your statement of faith with you, we're looking at the first one. Roger helpfully did a great talk last week. If you've not seen it, it's on YouTube. Please go and watch it. But it says this, God, there is one God who exists eternally in three distinct persons, uh, distinct but equal persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is unchangeable in his holiness, justice, wisdom, and love. He is the almighty creator, saviour, and judge who sustains and governs all things according to his sovereign will for his own glory. Now, we could spend the next ten years on that little paragraph, but we're not going to. Okay, Roger did the Trinity. This morning, I'm going to be speaking about God the Father. And as soon as we start talking about God the Father, um, in, immediately, without you even thinking about it, an image will have popped into your head, or a thought, or an attitude, or a reflection of what you think God the Father is like. It will have happened automatically. You don't need to think about it, it just happens. And that's because we have such a good understanding of what fathers are like. Some of us will find this very emotive this morning, and I'm really sorry, I do not intend to be emotive or difficult. I'm trying to express the love of the Father for us. But some of us have had great fathering experiences, both as children and as fathers. Some of us will have had awful fathering experiences, either as children or as fathers. And whatever our experience of life has been so far, it will colour what you think who God the Father is. I'm going to make a little statement now, and we're going to come back to it. But who you think God the Father is determines exactly how you worship him, how you love him, and how you obey him. Those two things are directly in correlation with each other. How you view God the Father determines how you worship Him, how you love Him, and how you obey Him. Just think about that for a second. So before we get into the preach, I just want to recommend some books to you. Um, I brought two of them with me. This is a part of a trilogy, which you can't buy anymore as a trilogy, um, uh, separate books, but you can buy it as, a, as a, a one book called The Great Doctrines of the Bible by Martin Lloyd-Jones, but this one's called God the Father, and it also includes um, God the Son, and then there's a, another book on God the Holy Spirit. If you can get hold of this book, it will revolutionize your thinking about who God the Father is. Gentle and Lowly, I've not brought with me, but we've recommended it a number of times. The Heart of the Saviour. Why am I talking about Jesus when I'm talking about God the Father? Because in John and through the Gospels, time and time again, Jesus says, if you 
Want to see the Father? Look at me. If you want to see what God the Father's like, look at Jesus. And this book is a great, great resource. And finally, this one I've recommended so many times. We've given it away. Please get a copy. It's called The Good God, and it's by Michael Reeves. It is the best book I've ever read on the discussion of who God is. If you never, ever buy another Christian book ever again, the two that I would recommend straight away is The Good God and Gentle and Lowly. Get them. Read them. Devour them. Eat them. Read it against the Word of God. You'll be so blessed. By the way, that's my introduction, and that's not part of my time either this morning. <laughs> we live in a society in which increasingly we have a fatherless generation. The, the amount of single parenting that goes on these days is increasing and increasing and increasing. And I'm not making a political statement. I'm not going to make any judgment call on that. I'm just simply stating a bold fact. When I was a, a boy, single parenting was unusual. I, I could have counted on my hand the number of kids in my school that had just one parent. That has changed dramatically over the last 30 years. And we're increasingly living in a generation of, or with a generation of teenagers who are being parented without a father. We live in a fatherless generation. Sadly, in my view, we have a generation of churchgoers that are equally not being fathered in the church. And they're not fathered partly because we abdicate our responsibility as leaders or men. I'm not talking about King's Church, I'm talking in general terms. But partly because actually we have lost the concept of who God the Father is and we are often spiritual orphans adrift. Sounds awful, doesn't it? But that's what I think. When I look around churches, more and more men just men and women just orphaned because they don't have spiritual fathers. Now I want to commend you in King's Church because actually I do know that there are some fantastic spiritual fathers in this church. Okay? And I want to commend you. And I want to stir you and say, if you're not a spiritual father, become one. If you're not a spiritual mother, become one. It's really important that we as older people, and I'm now starting just to get myself into that generation where I think I'm old, but some of you are older than me, become grandmas and granddads to young kids who need to know their spiritual fathers. Okay? Sorry, this has nothing to do with my preach. It's just a, <laughs> it's a soapbox. Sorry. If you're slightly younger than me, become a spiritual father and a mother. It's important we have spiritual children. Let's not have a church that's orphaned. Anyway, let's look at scripture. 1 John. Here it comes on the screen. 1 John 3 verse 1. One of my very, very, very favorite Bible verses Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the sons of God. Can we get on the screen? That we should be called the sons of God, for that is what we are. I'm going to read that again. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the sons of God, because that's what we are. 
Whether you like it or not, you are a child of God. Whether you understand it or not, you are a child of God. Whether you grasp the, the full finite detail of all that, or you're just starting out, you are a child of God. Nothing can ever, ever change it. I'm going to show you a photograph. Fortunately, my children aren't here, but this photograph, these three children have the benefit or the curse of knowing me as their father. Okay, this photograph was taken about 25, 27 years ago. Jamie, Zoe, and Emma. And these are my children. And uh, they're now in their early 30s. They're producing grandchildren left, right, and center. And um, it's been a privilege to be their father. Some of you will know who your father is. Some of your fathers will actually be sitting in this room. Um, some of you may not know who your father is, or at least not have a relationship with them. But these children carry my DNA. How sad for those children. Okay. In fact, actually, this last week, there's been a debate on Facebook. We just had a little uh, grandson called Ezra, who's about 10 weeks old. And somebody who, who's known us for a long time suddenly said on Facebook, but doesn't he look like Paul? And I thought, that poor child, he's got so much to contend with through life. The one thing he doesn't want to be contending with is that he looks like me. They carry my DNA. They had no choice in the matter. It happened to them whether they wanted it or not. None of these three children woke up one morning and said, oh, I think I'll be... Paul's son or daughter. That'd be great. They didn't have a choice. It just happened. That means they carry things from me, as I understand DNA and genetics, they carry things from me and, and from Lorraine which make them the people they are. They, they carry my DNA. And so the, some of the illnesses I have, some of the strengths I have, you know, the hair colouring I have, the sylph-like body that I carry. They, all sorts of things that will determine what they look like as they grow older are embedded in them because of my DNA, because of Lorraine's DNA. Does that make sense? I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to go into a great deal of detail. But so will their environment, the way they were brought up, will also have an effect on the way they think, their attitudes to certain things, their actions, why they do the things they do, will be determined by their environment of being brought up by Lorraine and myself. Okay, kids, teenagers that are still here today, I want you to look at your parents. Just look at your parents. This is your future. Okay? For, for good or bad, this is your future. These children of mine, they cannot change all those details. They, whether they want to be my children or not, they are my children. Whether they want to carry my DNA or not, they carry my DNA. It's just a fact. That's the way it is. Now, I want to say that I'd like to think that I've been a good dad, but the reality is I've been pretty average. Okay, And I've done some really good things, which I'm proud of as a father. 
And I've done some pretty stupid things which I'm ashamed of as a father. I've said some things which I'm really pleased about when I look back. And I've said some things to them that if I could have my time again, I would erase as quickly as I possibly could. Okay. Because I'm an earthly father. I make mistakes. I am not a perfect dad. I never will be, never have been, never could have been. That goes for every single man in this room who's a father. You can't be the perfect dad. I'm going to pause for a second. I want you to reflect just for a second on the fathering that you did have or would have liked to have had. The good things. The happy memories, perhaps. Or the things, if you had a really rough childhood, actually the things you would have liked to have happened. Have a think about it. The good things. Reflect for a minute. This is why I say I know I was going to be emotive this morning. It's not always positive. Let's have just two or three people shout out quickly some good things that they would either reflect on from their parenting or their fathers, particularly on focus on the Father, because we're talking about God the Father, so please forgive me, ladies, and not being exclusive. So a few people, or things that you would have liked to have seen happen in your family. Quickly, before we move on. Understanding. Supportive. He was a good fisherman, good man. Do you know, just one second before we move on. I want to tell you that any man that is a fisherman is a godly man. Okay? <laughs> Jenny. Kind. Affirmation. Security. Spent time with me. Always there for me. He loved you. He was funny. That's what my kids say about me. Really strange. Not, oh, that's kind of funny. Okay, he's funny. Anybody else? Generous. Creative. Humble. I want to tell you this morning, I want you to think about all those things that have just been said. And if you stack them all together, if we could write them all down on the wall over here. Okay, I want to tell you that actually God the Father is all those things and much much more. God the Father is the perfect Father. We sing that hymn, um, it says, Father like he tends and treats us. No, 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 no. No, that's the wrong way around. He's not Father like, he is the Father, and we are like him. Let's not kid ourselves that God the Father, but I don't want Jamie. Emma and Zoe to think that God the Father is anything like me. But I would like them to think that I reflect some of his really great attributes. Let's just think for a moment about some of the not so good things. I'm going to be rhetorical now. I'm not going to ask you to shout those out. But listen, people are human and they make mistakes. But we are meant as earthly fathers and spiritual fathers to reflect the perfect Father who is in heaven. And the daily grind of being in family means that I have the wonderful experience of working out what being like God the Father is like on a daily basis with my children, 
in the church and in my community. Does that all make sense so far? Okay, next slide is this. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Being a father is like that. Sometimes it's the best of times, sometimes it's the worst of times. How do we, how do these two different aspects, the good fathering we've had and the poor fathering we've had, how does that affect the way that you, you see your heavenly father? Because it's really important. In fact, it's absolutely vital. That we understand that the way we see our Heavenly Father is affected by the good things and the bad things that we've had experience in our lives. We're going to talk about Abba. Can't hear it, sorry. It's faint, it's there. We're not talking about that, Abba, this morning. Okay. Abba, got it. It would have worked. Okay. One of the best bands ever called Abba. Okay, guys, thank you. Called Abba. But listen, I played that music because I want to drive into your hearts this morning, Abba. Father. Because I know that now you'll all go home and you'll be singing some Abba tracks. You'll never remember anything I've said. But if you can link Abba to being my Heavenly Father, I think I've succeeded. Romans 8. For all those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Listen, some of us had fearful childhoods. When you became a Christian, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I've put that last bit in because we'd prefer not to think about that last little bit. That we suffer with him in order that we can be glorified with him. doesn't meet with our Western thinking of theology at the moment. But it's there. It's important. But the Spirit of God lives in us and we can cry out, Abba, Father, because we have a spirit of adoption in us. That is vital. I cannot screw up in myself because I've tried. I cannot, if I say, Father, 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 enough times, somehow I'll understand that God is my Father. doesn't work. If I read all the Bible verses I can possibly read about God being my Father, well, I might get somewhere. But what I need is the Holy Spirit in my life there's a spirit of adoption that helps me understand deep inside God is my Father. And I'm born of the Spirit. And nothing can ever change that again. If you're a Christian this morning, 
You have been born by the Spirit of God. You are adopted into the family and he is your father forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. And nothing can change that. Whether that's poverty, pain, suffering, death, whatever it is, even the happy things in our lives. Do you know what? Actually, I found the happiest things in my life sometimes are the things that, that cut off my relationship with God faster than suffering does. Because suddenly I become self-confident and full of who I am and what I can do. And we are heirs with Christ. When God the Father looks at Jesus Christ the Son and he sees me in him, in Christ, that relationship is forever built. God understands it fully. Jesus the Son understands it fully. And I'm spending my lifetime trying to understand it. But one day when I see him face to face, you remember that old hymn? Um, Weak is the effort of my heart and bold my, uh, sorry, called my warmest thought. But when I see you as you are, I love you as you are. I'm not quoting it quite right, but that's what the gist is. When I see him face to face, I will understand for the first time just what it means for God to be my father. And I'm working on this every day. I want to go back to my children and this photograph because I haven't told you the whole truth. Not all of them carry my DNA. One of them, Emma, um, in the green, you can't see in the green jumper, Emma is adopted. She's our oldest child. And she does not carry my DNA. And we adopted her when she was, or we received her when she was eight weeks old. And she's lived with us ever since. She's produced for us a lovely little grandchild called George. Do you know what? She is, she is my daughter. And nothing can ever change that. I have a legal document that says that she became our child when she was about two. And we've had our ups and downs with her. We've had some fun times. Um, Some of the things that we've had to do as parents would make you, would, would be very shocking for you. But she is our child. And we love her just as much as we love the other two. And nothing can change that. Nothing. She has a birth mother and a birth father. But she's been adopted into our family. You have a birth mother and a birth father. And you have been adopted into the family. Nothing will change it. Okay? Emma doesn't carry our DNA, but she does carry my attitudes, my thoughts, my understanding of the world around me. She's been steeped in the Mogford family traditions, for good or bad. She thinks in similar ways to the way I think and Lorraine thinks. Because 
Over 30 years, she's imbibed it. It's part of the culture. Listen, when we are adopted into the family, that's what happens to us. We start to imbibe the culture. We think about the things that other Christians think about. And if you're good at listening, you'll start to adopt into yourself the attitudes of the people around you. I want to go back to the state. The kids are joining us. It's fantastic. They're going to just be part of us, so don't worry. If Mason comes and stands with us, don't worry about that. That's fine. So let's think about worshiping, loving, and obeying. I want 24 minutes. Okay, so I'm still, I'm, I'm still on track. Who we think God is determines how we worship, love, and obey him. We've been talking about fathering. Here's some things about God the Father you need to understand. I haven't got time to go into them. I haven't got time to read the Bible verses, but here they are. First of all, God is love, total and ending, utterly, without change. He loves us in a way that an earthly father could never do. I would go to the ends of the earth for Emma. In fact, I have done. Okay? But I could never love her as much as God loves me, ever. Second, we've already touched on this. Jesus is the image of the Father. When I find about, about who the Father is, think about Jesus. When we first meet Jesus in John chapter 1, it says that we beheld him full of grace and truth as of the Father. If Jesus is full of grace and truth, God, the Father, is full of grace and truth. He's the giver of all good gifts. Nothing evil comes from his mouth, and nothing evil comes from his hand towards us. That does not mean I get everything I want. My children do not get everything they want. Never have done, never will do, but they do get what they need. Next, says that God is a peace giver. He brings peace into our lives. This is one that I've stumbled over so many times. He is slow to anger and full of mercy. This is God the Father. He's the giver of life. He's the giver of his only son. We're going to respond now, and I'm going to read a story. I want everybody, including the children, to listen to the story, and then we're going to break bread. And as I'm reading the story, the next slide is going to go up. We're going to read Luke 15, and the next slide is the things that I want you as families, as individuals, and as group, small groups to reflect on. So I'm going to tell the story. And then we're going to break bread. And I want you as families or individuals, if you're sitting next to somebody or guests, whatever, I want you to start to think about and pray about these issues. What image do you have of God that represents him in your head? Does it match the God, of, God the Father of the Bible? How does that affect your behavior, attitudes, thoughts, and prayer? If you think God is an absent God, it doesn't care about you, that will affect how you see things. 
How do you need to change your thinking to align yourself to the living God of the Bible? What needs to change in you to worship the Father, as John, as Jesus puts it, in spirit and in truth? So I'm going to read this story. And then we're going to break bread. And then the musicians, when they've broken bread, I had a Bible. I didn't have a Bible. I'm sure I had a Bible. I know I had a Bible. Who's nicked my Bible? You can't trust Christians, can you? Yeah. I know I had a Bible. Damn. Oh, there you are. Where was that? You nicked it. You really can't trust Christians, you know. Luke 15. Well, I'm reading this. If you're with your children, just uh, why don't you listen to them with it, but also if you want to point out some of the things that I'm going to, as we stop, as we go through it, you can talk to them, that's fine, you won't put me off. Um, but I want the children to be as involved as the adults in this, if that's okay. So what I'd like you to do is just to close your eyes. You don't need to follow the story, I'm going to read it. I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about those questions. And we're going to focus on the father in this story. There was a young man who, uh, sorry, there was a man, a father, who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Let's just pause for a second. This young man was saying, you're dead to me. I don't want to be part of this family anymore. Just think about that. What do you think the father is feeling right now? But he's full of grace. So the father divides his property between the two sons. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything he had and took a journey to a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. He just spent it like water. Think about how much the father had given him and he's wasted it. And when he'd spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And when he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. This is a picture of who we are outside of Christ. We squander, we waste, we destroy, we have nothing. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Perhaps when you came to Jesus, you said something similar. I've sinned. I'm not worthy. I'm nobody. Just make me a servant and that's good enough. You know, many of us come to Christ that way. And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion. What does that tell you about the father? What's the father been doing? All those years while the boy's been away. He's been watching and waiting and hoping. He's been, his heart's desire has always been for his son. His father saw him and felt compassion and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. Oh, the Father. Oh, the Father's compassion. When you first started turning your face towards Jesus, the Father ran towards you. And he hugged you and he kissed you and he, his delight, Father running in Middle East. Gosh, no doesn't happen it's shocking and the son said father I have sinned against heaven and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his servants bring the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and kill the fattened calf, and kill it, and let's eat it, and celebrate, for this is my son, who was dead, but is alive again, he was lost, and is found, and they began to celebrate. Think about what the father's feeling right now. Overwhelmed with love and compassion. Overwhelmed with joy. Overwhelmed with just desire to see the best for his children. And the story goes on. We haven't got time to read the whole story. Just think for a moment. What is your view of the Father? Is the Father that you serve and love and worship, is he the one that comes running towards you or is he the one that somehow is disappointed in you? Is the Father that you love and worship, does he 
have the best things for you or are you concerned that he has just hard things for you to do? The image you have of God the Father directly determines how you love him, how you worship him, how you obey him.